How is everybody doing? Welcome to episode number 11 of This Week in Liberpods. We've got a fun one this week for you. Uh, we got some new podcasts. We got some new podcasts to me. And perhaps they're all new to you. But hopefully you enjoy them all. This week's episode, we're going to be starting out with a very, very new one. They're on episode two. Oh, just started this week. And they're over at the Make Liberty Great Again group of podcasts. The podcast is the Lesbertarian Podcast, hosted by Kim. And, ooh boy, is this a fun one. I'm very excited to bring it to you. So let me stop talking and let's just get into these clips. In the immortal words of our next president, Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, Dr. Martin Luther King once said, It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. So... In my administration, we'll use the full force of the presidency to combat hate crimes and root out white supremacist threats wherever they arise. In honor of Cory Booker, our next president, the White House needs your help. The White House Office on Hate Crimes and White Supremacist Violence is looking for local support. Just do us this favor of filling out this questionnaire. Question 1. Are you white? If you answered yes to this question, please answer questions 2 through 6. If you are non-white, let us congratulate you as you skip to question 7. Question 2. If you are white, why do you hate minorities so much? Question 3. Why are you white? Question 4. How many slaves have you owned in the past year? Be honest. Question 5 is multiple choice. White supremacy is A. Whatever we want it to be B. A new white castle burger that doubles as a supreme pizza C. What white people do Monday, Wednesday, and every other Saturday? D. All of the above? Or E. A and C. Question 6. If a black man is attacked by two Nigerian men at a subway and forced to wear a noose, is this a hate crime brought on by the celebrating of white supremacy and wearing a hat of the color that must not be named? Question 7. What is your name? Congratulations, you're a white supremacist. Agents will be escorting you to Gulag shortly. The first part of the town hall was Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, the person that I so rudely made fun of in the pre-intro. I don't regret that. Said this about restoring federal protections for transgender students in public schools. Quote, So first of all, point blank, this is a real problem in America. And I will, number one, change the Trump administration's guidance back to what the Obama administration's guidance was that schools should allow people to use the bathrooms that confirms with, conforms with their gender identity. But we cannot stop there. I think it would be foolish to think that this whole battle isn't purely political. Why, yes, I understand, if you're transitioning, that you're going to have to spend time as the gender that you're transitioning to, which would mean going to the women's bathroom if you're transitioning to be a woman, and so on. Yes, but I feel like this whole entire thing has been political and another way for the left and the right to get some political traction. While I understand there are very real concerns about somebody, a pedophile, getting into a bathroom legally, at the same time, I think a lot of trans people just want to pee. I also think... There wasn't a significant amount of trans people, at least that I have heard of or run into, that were making a big deal about the bathroom situation, considering they probably just want to pee and they don't want their business all over 
the internet and having politicians arguing back and forth about it. It's hard enough having to deal with your identity and transitioning without politicians trying to use your plight for their voting advantage. Continuing on with quotes from Senator Cory Booker, another quote, 30% of LGBTQ youth have reported missing school in the last month because of fears for their physical safety. We live in a country where we still see regular everyday violence and intimidation and bullying against Americans because of who they are. Booker said, so number one, I'm going to appoint a secretary of education, first of all, that sees the dignity and the worth and the value of every one of our children and will have a department of education that takes steps necessary to protect all children in America. All right, hold up there. Do I believe there is bullying in school? Yes. Do I think LGBT students face sexually specific bullying? Yes. However, guess what? Kids are a-holes. It astounds me, actually, when a student can say they never face bullying. It just seems to be a very common thing in school. And I don't condone bullying. I think it's uncalled for and damaging at an age where you haven't built up your defenses to what people have to say and learning how not to give a crap about what people say. Anyway, why are kids so damn rude? Kids will talk about the color of your socks if it'll get a rise out of you. So I don't think it's necessary always kids targeting other kids because they're gay. And the ones that are probably have really garbage parents. Garbage parenting is a huge problem. Raise your kids with some damn respect. Or else they're going to take that nonsense you do and say to school with them. Kids often even though they get their own ideas. A lot of the stuff they repeat is stuff they learn at home. That was fun, right? Maybe even a little cathartic for those of us who have some involuntary whiteness that we need to extricate ourselves from. And maybe she helps us on that? Is that how that works? I kid. Anyways, let's move along and take a look at our second podcast of the week. Another super fun one. This is my good friends Sherry and Alan over at the Postcards from Somalia podcast, which happens to be on the same network as me over at Sounds Like Liberty with the Launchpad Media. You know, they're always launching ideas in your direction, I heard. Anyways, I have loved every episode these guys have put out. They're hilarious together, and you really need to get on the tip because, man, that's some good content. But let's uh, see what they got for us this week. So, I mean, it's just as likely that the whole thing crashes as we get this pulled up. But Right. <clears throat> well, can I say, I, the reason that uh. I'm, a, I'm not really shocked that they're attacking Ellen over so if anybody has been under a rock and doesn't know she she's been being attacked by the left uh people on the the false paradigm of the left um attacking her because she had took this picture with George W Bush at a baseball game I think it was mm-hmm. and and you know she and Portia are sitting there and and talking about how yes I took a picture with him I happen to be friends with him I'm friends with a lot of people that I don't agree with and so She's gotten a, a heck of a hard time from. <laughs> so that's I just so that you because because I know you can't see my my desktop. That's actually what's playing on video right. They can't see us. Awesome. I'm just gonna let awesome. that play for a while. I love. I mean, say what you will about W uh, and the horrible monster that he is, but I love his his 
his the twinkle. You know, he's got that twinkle then. He gives that wink and that little nod. It's like Yeah, I know. It's iconic. Um it's it sucks people in. It's the vortex of evil. It's it's the perfect <laughs> mix of he's acknowledging, but he's also trying to look humbled. Like right. like he I know you're count. all cheering for me, but it's really thanks to our brave armed service men and right. women. Right. <laughs> I get all that from that look. I wonder if he does these things. Oh, he for sure does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Pistol I mean, he, when people call him a frat boy, I mean, he's totally a frat boy. Um, yeah. But but I I think with the the attacks on Ellen have been really interesting, and and they show you that there there really is no left and right in this country, right? I mean, I know people use that paradigm, and sometimes I don't like it, you don't like it, but it's it's handy sometimes to describe people. But when it gets down to it, these people are all the same. And, and they all want to force you to do things. They all love the state apparatus. This is what they live for. So for Ellen to be friends with W, really, to me, doesn't make, isn't that crazy? Because they are all about using and legitimizing force against the populace. And they sit up in their high castle. Look, Ellen is surrounded by bodyguards who are armed, but she would be against guns for the, the plebs like us. But, you know, as long as she's paying her good money to these people to protect her, then it's okay. Um, the Rosie O'Donnells of the world are the same way, and so are all the others. But I find it really interesting that they're attacking her. And I, I think it's because Ellen has, unfortunately, bought the um, tolerant propaganda. She's bought the propaganda that as a, a lesbian, she can't be touched. And they touch him, Right. She can be touched. And so um, I, I think for a long time, like, lesbians were the the cool fad of the the victim hierarchy, right? They were the, the women who have been oppressed by the patriarchy and, you know, uh, they love other women. And so they were kind of untouchable. But then now it's really changed. First, you had the movement from what I remember, you know, it started out with, with like, gay men and, you know... Um, transsexuals at Stonewall and gay men. And that was the kind of the fad of the seventies and stuff. Those, that was what was really pushed forward by, by the media and people talking about it. And then it, it went to women and um, then to this feminism mixed with lesbianism, which have always been really pretty tied together. Um, but now you had like the, the um, black feminists saying, Hey, wait a second. All this feminist crap is talking about privileged white women. So, there's a whole other set of, of rules for us now. And, and so now you have feminists within the group fighting each other. And then you had the trans community come in and say, we're women too. And your feminism does not intersect with us properly. And so therefore, so there's all like all these layers and then you get like turfs, which are feminists who hate transsex transgendered people. So they're not the special class anymore, right? They're not the only one. Like now the wider uh, media left the people that are you know exposed regular Americans to this stuff. Um, they're not that special anymore. Now it's it's moved on to the next special group. And so a lesbian uh, who's married to another white lesbian and they're both wealthy can't speak for the left anymore. So well, I, I just I think it's really interesting. Well, back back at the beginning. Of I knew they wouldn't disappoint. I feel a little bad that it wasn't one of those episodes where Sherry just goes ape shit talking about the cops, but you know, every now and again they'll have an episode where she doesn't. 
So, moving along, we've got clip number three here, and this is from the Smurf It Up podcast. Some acolytes of Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Some guys trying to bring a more voluntarist uh, mentality to the business world. Uh, This particular episode with Ox and Friends is actually talking about some serious legal matters and financial matters involved with the CBD industry. And uh, let's just say these guys sound like they they know what they're talking about. So if you're you're someone that wants real, legit, tangible business ideas of uh, ways of dealing with our system, these sound like the guys you probably want to talk to. They're both well-versed in what they talk about. But let's see what we're talking about today. I'm even more interested in going on a cruise and learning stuff and visiting all these places and figuring out how to save everybody tax money. Let's jump into this. The idea is we're going to flesh out the captive insurance company. We did a pretty good primer on captive insurance (laughs) company when we were talking about cannabis products. What occurred to you since our discussion last time? We kind of touched on it last time that by forming a captive insurance company, you're drawing profit out of your business and putting it in an insurance account. But I don't think we really drove it home, so to speak, to inform the people who own a dispensary or own a attractive land that's producing THC products. We didn't really drive it home that once that money is drawn out of that THC business into an insurance company, that insurance company stands alone and can legitimately tell the DEA to go fuck itself as far as funds that are accrued inside that company. So if you've got a dispensary with a million dollars in cash in the bank account, you look like a nice big target for the DEA because they're going to go in exactly like an IRS levy and seize the funds in the account and seize all the inventory in your store at the same day just to try and wipe you out of business. That can legitimately screw a business if they lose all of their capital and all of their inventory at the same time. And I've seen some dispensaries making $5 million a year close down due to that activity at the federal level. It's not necessarily as aggressive as it used to be, but it still exists every once in a while, especially in new market spaces like Illinois or Oklahoma. In order to protect yourself, having a captive insurance company and doing an insurable risk study for all the liability, including the Fed seizing all of your inventory, makes a lot of sense because you draw out all of the profit from the business into that captive and you keep a nominal amount inside the operational account for the actual THC dispensary or the farm. You just keep an operational budget in there. And the profit basically acts as your security in a different entity. And that's the key because it's in a different entity in a state where the law is very clear that THC is legal. State law actually will trump federal law as it relates to that insurance company accruing that because as far as the state is concerned, that's a legitimate insurable risk. And the insurance company is operating within the guidelines of the state for insurance purposes and in insuring that product. When you say 
go in, the business is a target and feds, whatever goes in and cleans up shop, files a lien. Is this like civil asset forfeiture where they just, there's no, what we think of as due process where they just go in and take your shit. And then you got to prove like the burden of proof is on you that your shit is your shit. And it's not being used for black market purposes, nefarious purposes or something like that. Is that what we're talking about here? More or less, and I'm going to leave that kind of vague because at this point we're getting into the practice of law uh, as opposed to me advising strictly on tax law. So I think we should definitely have a follow-up podcast where we have a lawyer talk about the burden of proof aspect. But from a tax perspective, you're saving money, and most importantly, you're not exposing yourself to federal scrutiny. So we... Because you're operating an insurance company. Quick recap, we do the insurable risk, and in that cannabis THC business, in general, rule of thumb is there's a lot of risk. So if you've got a pretty decent-sized business, you're going to be able to figure out at least $100,000 per year of insurable risk, lost wages, shit being seized. You're going to be able to figure out over $100,000. On a good-sized dispensary that's over $5 million in revenue, your insurable risk would easily be $500,000 a year, which you would not pay tax on that $500,000. Using that example, that $500,000 per year in insurable risk, it goes from the dispensary business or the (laughs) farm business, and that five hundred dollars goes into the captive insurance company, which is a separate business, a separate company formed in Puerto Rico because lowest barrier to entry. They've rolled out all sorts of incentives for businesses. That 500K, if it stays in the captive insurance company for a year and a day, you could take it out at a capital gains rate of 15%. Now, the first 70 approximately thousand dollars that you leave in that captive insurance company for a year and a day you could take it out at zero percent i'll be the first to admit i have no idea what they're talking about in any of that so hopefully it's useful to you or you know maybe what they're getting on about either way there's some solid dudes over there and i'm happy to help shill for them this next podcast though i do know something about I know that these guys are wanted by the FBI. Juggalos. Juggalos are wanted by the FBI. Uh, at any rate, this is a Mr. Alexander T. Roll of the Juggalos for Liberty podcast. And I'm assuming he's, he's a fake person making this up. And maybe he's trolling us since his name is literally Troll. At any rate, I can't help but listen to it. And whether or not he means this shit or not, it's definitely uh, some valuable content. So, why don't you have a listen, see what he's got for you this week. So the one thing I wanted to talk about is the difference between tolerance and acceptance. Especially in a community such as the Juggalo community, which is all-inclusive. You can't find a, a, a greater community that has different walks of life in it and I mean you can range from you know LGBT uh, minority you can find you know Black Lives Matter you can find you know rebel flag waving rednecks 
And even though ICP, you know, everyone's going to say, fuck yo, Rebel Flag. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big Rebel Flag guy myself. You know, I'm from California. I'm Hispanic. I don't really care that somebody waves their rebel flag around. I think the intent behind it is what matters most. If you wave it in uh, a sense that your race and your heritage is greater than anybody else, then you're wrong. You're, 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 you're waving a flag that, you know, that was pretty much a traitorous, I guess you can say, in some instances. But some people see it as a heritage thing where, you know, my family fought for this. And the South were some great war tacticians. They had some of the greatest generals alive. And, I, you know, I guess you could be proud of that. Uh, but anyway, like I said, uh, the topic of today is tolerance and acceptance. You know, tolerance is not the same thing as acceptance. You can tolerate a lifestyle or choice and not accept it. In the Juggalo community, you have every walk of life. I think it's important that we outline and discuss the differences between tolerance and acceptance with the varying lifestyles. You don't have to accept someone's LGBTQ identity, for example, or their furry identity as part of your own ideology or just to tolerate it and, and, and believe that they have every right to identify as such. You can tolerate it but not accept it as something that you believe in. That doesn't make you a bad person. Tolerating behavior at its core is the belief that a behavior doesn't need to be prevented. Accepting and the acceptance of behavior is aligning your ideology to encompass, encompass that behavior. So, for example, many religious families that don't disown their gay children, for example, tolerate their lifestyle choice but fundamentally do not accept or agree with it. You, you may have a homie who lets their kids watch gory, scary movies, but you don't let your own children do it. You aren't going to tell your homie how to raise their children, but you personally don't agree with it. Does that make you a bad person for not accepting the fact that your homie might be scarring or desensitizing their children by letting them watch the human centipede? No. You have values that go completely opposite of what the rest of your homies, uh, uh, the rest of your homies view. So... Juggalos are great at preaching acceptance for the most part, and they practice it well. The day that Juggalos start saying they are an all-inclusive, accepting group, oh well, unless you're a Trump supporter or, or a Republican, or, or unless you're religious, or unless you believe gender isn't malleable, then you are no longer all-inclusive and accepting. Now, there are exceptions, of course. Juggalos won't tolerate a belief that is racist, and they shouldn't because it is already an intolerant belief. But when groups like Antifa try to correlate a political ideology to a racist ideology in an attempt to justify attacking both, then the question should be asked, should Juggalos be accepting a group like Antifa? If you had an extreme leftist Antifa-supporting Juggalo and a Trump-supporting conservative Juggalo fighting each other, which side do you think the, the community as a whole would align itself to defend? I'll tell you now, it's not the Trump-supporting Juggalos that are attacking the leftist Juggalos. Not that, not that I've heard of any of these kind of fights happening within the community to begin with, but I'm just using that as an example. <clears throat> leftist ideology doesn't tolerate a right leaning or conservative ideology, whereas a right-leaning and conservative ideology has a set of values that is more exclusive and not all-inclusive, and that is perceived as hate-filled, and that is perceived as being intolerant, when that's not the case at all. Now, with that being said, if you are under the impression that everyone should accept your belief, then you are the one who is being intolerant. To assume that everyone has to believe what you believe is 
is being confused on the differences between acceptance and, and intolerance. If you believe that you are not the gender you were born with, do you expect everyone to assume the same? Or do you expect, in the least, for your loved ones to respect your choice and not to try to change your mind? The two are completely different. So, unfortunately, somewhere along the line, we got the two confused. We expect everyone to share... Valuable information. I feel like more people need to learn the difference between those two words and where they fit into this whole libertarian thing. I, I tend to, you know, fall more on the camp of the conservative libertarians despite being a degenerate myself, so... I think that the degenerates have a tendency not to accept the way that the conservatives interrelate. I think they're, they're correct in the way that they do it, though. Our last show this week is a new one to me. I'd never heard of this until very, very recently. And this is the Ranker in Resistance podcast. I can't wait for more episodes. It looks like they're right at that number seven mark, so you should go show them some love and help them get over the hump. But let's get into it. I agree, and I think that that's what's kind of scary about the whole situation is if this passes, that these illegal immigrants do not have basic human rights, they're just going to be murdered in mass because they have no rights. What's the repercussion? Look, you might be thinking right now, well, this guy, you know, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been here illegally. I don't know, right? I'm not here to make that argument. What I'm going to say, though, is that there is thousands of undocumented citizens in jails right now, prisons, camps, whatever you want to call it. If, if this case goes forward, and I'm pretty sure it's going to go to the Supreme Court. This is going to be one of those civil rights things that goes all the way to the top. If they rule in favor of the police department there, every person that is locked up right now that is an illegal immigrant, that is an undocumented citizen, have zero protection against what can happen to them in those places. We're talking about rapes, murders, starvation. Things can get real ugly real fast. And the reason I say that is because all of these places, all of these facilities are going to want to cut cost where they can. And it's not going to be illegal for them to cut cost. And it's not just talking about grown adults. There's men, women, children, infants, pregnant women, all locked up in these places. And all of those lives are going to be affected. This can turn into a concentration camp situation real fast. And it's kind of scary. I'm not I'm not going to say whether he should or should not have been here because that's pretty irrelevant. He was here. Well, there's some details about the case actually. I think you should know. Okay. Like the fact that he was shot in the back of the head so through a door. He wasn't even they didn't after, even go in. At, no, I don't know, but they're claiming look, the investigation is so fucked up. I it's it's hard to actually find the details, but his attorney had specifically stated at a different incident that uh, or at a different conference that he his the the widow he's representing her husband was shot in the back of the head behind a closed door so the police shot through a door hit him in the back of the head while he was obviously retreating she said he never had a weapon in his hand they never announced themselves they just barged through the door and started shooting okay and and i understand with no knock warrants they do not have to knock on the door but they should have opened it that could have been a child that could have been anybody that they had shot through that door well this is what they're doing right now is they're trying to make it to where if this happens again they have no liability even if it had been a child which my, is terrifying because now it's going to enable my question is this though what's the difference between the officer that shot um i'm sorry i'm gonna butcher his name 
Ishmael. Yeah, Ishmael Lopez. Ishmael Lopez. What is the difference in the officer that shot him and the murder that... Oh, Amber Geiger Amber and all that? Amber Geiger committed. Okay. At least she opened the damn door. Well, although she tried to flex her blue privilege and her department also tried to uh, apparently cover it up because, you know, they searched uh, the victim's house and not hers. And I mean, there's a lot of different things there, but the difference is now this man doesn't have paperwork. Paperwork or not, it was still murder. They still went to the wrong home of the wrong person and a man lost his life. See, I knew you were the kind of person that was going to dig that show. I just knew it. And you did. So, we have reached the end of our episode today, folks. That has been the five clips. That has been five new podcasts for your ear holes. Hopefully you found something that's going to become your new favorite. But if not, there's always next week. Be sure to go back and check every week before this because this is what episode number 11, which means we've had 55 podcasts that we have featured on this show. 55 libertarian or anarchist podcasts. And any one of them could be your new favorite. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody to stop on over at liberpods.com to uh, sign up for the mailing list and see more what we got going on. Catch the old episodes. Uh, if you really want to help um, send along uh, any podcast that you think that we should feature in the show because I'm always looking for more and believe it or not I cannot be everywhere on the internet uh, the other thing I want to promote is that we actually had some some folks that I'm friends with over from the Punk Rock Libertarians and they have started a new website called the LibertyPodcastRanker.com uh, so go over there and show some love for your favorite pods uh, have them put on more I've given him my list, but like I said, we're not everywhere. Uh, the big thing about all this is we need to be a community. We need to grow as a community, and to do that, we need to help each other up and hold each other up. So, I won't delay or beat the bush any longer, but let's get a move on. Go out and have yourselves a good day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>